0: Hello, and welcome to Passing for Normal. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and during this time of coronavirus uncertainty, sheltering at home, and social isolation, I'm bringing you a special series of helpful insights and practices from body-focused practitioners in order to keep you healthy, protected, calm, and lifted beyond face masks and hand sanitizer. My guest today is Elaine Colindrea movement artist, somatic educator, continuum teacher, and the artistic director of Watermark Arts, an elegant endeavor that brings together body-based awareness and artistic expression. And we're going to be talking about turning to beauty, to natural beauty and to art as a medicine for these unsettled times. Welcome, Elaine.
1: Thank you, Sharon. I'm happy to be with
0: you. I'm very happy to be with you uh, and to be speaking to you about Um, what I think might be um, such a necessary medicine for us. Um, So you're a movement artist, a dancer and choreographer, and in Watermark Arts, you work with movement artists, visual artists, writers, photographers, musicians. So humans are at their best when they are creative, and not just as artists, but as problem solvers, right? People who repair broken ventilators. Um, So how important is it to be creative in this time?
1: Well, let me first say that biologically, our nature, our basic nature is creativity. So we don't actually have to be creative. We are creative. We are living art. The, the template of our biology is to always be creating, creating new cells, creating new breaths, um, innovating where there's injury. So creativity is so inherent, it's not outside of ourselves. Why is it important now? First of all, it's always important. <laughs> <laughs> and for sure now, we're facing the unknown. And whenever we're facing the unknown, being creative, in other words, finding as many different ways as possible to respond to a new set of, situ- a new set of circumstances. How do we adapt? How do we look at things from different angles? Um, What skills do we need to bring to something? All of these, these are all aspects of creativity. I feel in many ways particularly supported at this time um, from my decades of continuum practice, and and that is something that you and I share is many decades in the practice of continuum. And I often define continuum as a biological awareness practice. And the more deeply I understand and experience myself as a biological organism, always creating anew. The more skills I have uh, to face what I don't know. And we are certainly in a period of not knowing right now.
0: That's beautiful. So, um, right, we are a biological process, we are the natural world. Viruses are part of the natural world. We are meeting, we are meeting the natural world with our own nature.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, It's one of the things that gives me great solace that um, what is occurring right now is, is part of the natural world, so that makes me think that it is possible uh, to learn to navigate with it. Uh, how do we how do we live with this virus, and how do we adapt to it? What is it calling upon us to learn? Um, so, all of these questions are questions which are awakening our creativity. And they're awakening it on a very personal level. They're re- awakening it on a collective level um, from the practical um, to the more cosmological. So I'm always looking at natural processes and how creativity expresses itself um, as a way of approaching a new situation. So we're all in new situations now. And how do we resource ourselves? How do we support ourselves? How do we prepare? So these are the questions that I'm holding. Um, and that, that brings me often to, uh, well, I was thinking the other day about um, a quote from Buckminster Fuller. And I'll, I will never quote it exactly. I'll paraphrase it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the quote is something like, When I am trying to solve a problem, I never think about beauty. But when I've come up with a solution, if it's not beautiful, I know it's not the right solution.
0: Oh, That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That actually gives me chills. Um,
1: And those chills, right? If we define beauty... Right, beauty is um, the pleasure of the senses. Mm. Right, so it, it's a sensory it, beauty is a sensory experience, and those chills that you just had were your somatic system, your felt alive, living organismic body responding on the sensory level. To the pleasure of that statement to the to the intelligence and the beauty of that statement itself, that's what really nourishes me, um, and I think that's what nourishes everyone
0: right, so um talking about the sensation of beauty or the recognition of the intelligence of that statement about beauty. So, you know, many people right now are experiencing uh, body sensations from the uncertainty, whether it's fear or whether it's tension, heart racing, a sort of lockdown uh, feeling of being cooped up or frustrated or isolated. Right. And so how, how can beauty, how can that, that bloom of sensation that you're describing as a response to beauty, how can that open up our bodies and perhaps give us more room when we're feeling these more constricted feelings? Mm-hmm.
1: Good question. I, I wish I really had a huge amount of wisdom to share. I can really only share my own experience. Um, One thing that I think is important for myself uh, is to acknowledge the discomfort when I feel it. I don't allow myself to indulge in it, but I allow myself to recognize, uh, for example, I went food shopping this morning, and it involved putting on a mask and gloves and uh, All of that—it did not feel beautiful or natural to me at all. So I made a point when I was in the store. uh, You can't smile at people with a mask on. Uh, But I made a point of of nodding my head, and you know, uh, of acknowledging others, because I found myself. Uh, I was noticing people not looking at each other. Mm -hmm. And that created tension in me. It created distress. And I I allowed myself to feel the distress. But then I needed to come up with a solution for it. And so my my solution was this kind of little nodding thing. And I, I actually, you know, I can be a bit silly sometimes. I... I curtsied at the <laughs> the checkout person mm-hmm. and I I I kind of did a little bow to the man uh, filling in one of the shelves somewhere and I got a little chuckle from both of them um and it lightened my spirits and it it light, I think it lightened theirs mm-hmm. so getting back to Okay, so what? how do... Okay, I I would like to say something about beauty. It took me decades to accept and even encourage my love of beauty. Mm -hmm. I came of age in the dance world um, in the late 70s and early 80s when... It was not a time where beauty was valued in, 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 the, in, the, in the modern dance world. It was more a time where being edgy, topical, mm-hmm. conceptual, that, that was what was in. That's what was getting grants. That's where, what was getting uh, attention. But I loved beautiful movement. I loved creating beauty in my life. I loved putting colors together. I, I loved making beautiful costumes. And I liked beauty. And I was always kind of ashamed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, Actually, yeah, really, I was embarrassed. And I felt like I was born at the wrong time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm also a little ashamed to say that not all that long ago, um, in a a period of time when I was losing a number of people who had been primary teachers for me in the dance and the somatic world, I don't know how I came across it, but I came across a quote from Dante. And it's a very simple quote. And it changed my life. And the quote was, is, beauty awakens the soul to act. Mm. Beauty awakens the soul to act. And I went, yes, of course. That is the value of beauty. We all need to be awakened. We all need to tend our souls, our personal souls, the societal soul, the cultural soul, the soul of the planet, the soul of the cosmos. And beauty does that. And it does that on this primal sensory level. And, you know, the basic life force itself is, it's primal it's essential it's there for us all the time and experiencing beauty is one way to evoke it and it leads to a chemical cascade through the body which alters our sense of reality and makes for a more meaningful, holistic experience. So when I'm cutting up that cucumber to slice it, to put it on the table as part of the lunch, hmm, do I put it in the red plate? Do I put it in the blue plate?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: you know, how how's that cucumber going to look really beautiful? You know, and, I know that that will make a difference for me. I, you know, in this time, there's been a lot of talk about people just staying all day in their pajamas. I'm sorry, I don't get that. I get up, I dress, I comb my hair. Heaven forbid I should be up for five minutes without putting lipstick on. I mean, earrings are a reason to get up in the morning. Like, I... (laughs) I mean, which ones are you going to wear, you know?
0: Uh, um, so I just, want to, I just want to speak in defense of those pajama dwellers. Because <laughs> many people, um, you know, have to dress every day to go to work. And sometimes okay. their uniforms and their uh, suits are confining. And their high heels are uncomfortable. And so for them to be able to spend the day in their pajamas is a luxuriating in comfort. So I'm just saying, I'm just offered another uh, um, perspective.
1: Okay, well, (laughs) I hope they're beautiful fabrics that feel good and that they're not stained, torn, and um, worn out.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And as I'm listening to you speaking, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, people could create like a spring altar in their house, you know, with flowers that are growing yes. from the outside. Or just if you can't go outside, just bringing together some colors that are appealing. Right. Yes. Or some smells or some flavors that really lift you and open your heart.
1: Yes. And, you know, it's simple to do. Um, Even when you live in an apartment, it can be taking objects that you have, that you haven't even noticed in years, Mm. and arranging them in a new way. It can be, you know, taking one of those scarves that's folded up and unfolding it and spreading it out and taking... You know, there's the principle of three, three objects in arranging them. And every day for a week, arrange those three objects a different way
0: mm.
1: and see what it awakens in you. Um, I am lucky I live in the countryside. It's spring here in the Hudson Valley, and things are beginning to... Emerge So there's a lot of forsythia out. I am sitting alongside um, a huge arrangement, large branches of forsythia. And I'm in my studio, and every time I open the door and walk in and see that vibrant yellow color, it awakens my own vibrancy. Mm-hmm. So yes, I agree with you. How do we make what we have right now, you know, we don't have to go shopping. We all have things, a stone, uh, you know, whatever. And how do we arrange and create environments that nourish us, that are beautiful for us?
0: It's beautiful. And we also have our bodies, right? Getting back to the somatic piece and the somatic awareness piece we also have our bodies that are with us all the time to be able to um to find beauty uh within the experience of breath within the experience of either big movement dancing around or subtle movement um slow moving yes yes
1: i've i have been uh, i've been very aware uh, that of, of two things in my own body, I am spending more time uh, teaching online and more time communicating with people online. And uh, I'm very grateful for that opportunity, but I'm also noticing the impact on my posture and on my eyes. And I'm feeling my eyes narrow and become like beads instead of the fluid aqueous sort of reservoirs that they are so i've been taking uh, numerous times a day i have been taking my hands and taking the palm of my hand and each palm over the eye and i've been humming not a tune but just a a low hum. And the hum creates a lot of vibration through the mask area of the face and covering the eyes, creating this sort of nice warm hollow for the eyes to rest in. The combination of the humming and the cupped eyes is allowing me to soften the eye, return it to its more fluid nature. And then I notice when I come out of that, my vision is wider and softer. Instead of feeling like I'm looking, I feel like I am receiving. Um, That's been a very important uh, practice for me in these days.
0: Right, because people are spending so much time on screens, so much more time on screens and sitting in a chair in front of a screen, and um, it could be very depleting. What you're offering um, is very nourishing.
1: Yeah. I've also been uh, tuning into my own lungs a lot. I mean, after all, COVID-19 is uh, a virus which embeds itself in the lungs and can create a lot of um, tightening and scarring. So I think it is wise when one is well and healthy to... uh, Condition the lungs? Mm-hmm. Condition the lungs, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I've been doing a very simple practice. Um, the, the, there are two lobes of the lungs, and I love that they are, net, that in between the two lobes of the lungs is the heart, right? And every beat of the heart is rippling through the lung tissue. And every breath, every inhalation, and exhalation of the lungs is massaging the heart.
0: Mm, nice.
1: So sometimes I just rest. You know, sometimes when you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning mm-hmm. <laughs> and your mind starts to go to various concerns and problems, I will bring my hands resting them on my heart and lungs. And I just tune into sensing the beating of the heart and feeling how that's like a pebble dropping into water and rippling through my lungs. Every pulsation rippling through my lungs. And then sometimes I move my hands out a little bit more so that they're more on the lobes of my lungs. And as I feel myself inhale and exhale, I feel how every breath is cradling my heart. Right? And this could be a time of a lot of heartbreak, right? So I'm cradling it with my breathing. I'm hugging it with my breathing. I'm hugging my heart. And I just allow myself to be with those sensations and... Whatever else emerges from that little sort of um, somatic meditation—that's
0: so beautiful and um, and accessible, right? It's such an accessible way, in a comforting way, to um, to slow down and and. Go inside, right? Go yeah. inside, and
1: yeah, and and sometimes that's hard for that's hard right now. I have to admit, I am not finding it hard myself. Mm-hmm. But I know, in talking with other people, that going inside and noticing breath can almost be overwhelming.
0: Well, let me just say that, you know, I'll admit in the, in the beginning when, um, when the virus was first coming to our shore and um, I had lots of concerns for people in my life and whatever my concerns were, I had a lot of fear, anxiety, and discomfort. I had a lot of difficulty finding the slowness and the stillness of my breath. So you're speaking to me. I've yeah. been able so
1: how, how did you how did you navigate that
0: um slowly slowly um, coming into uh first of all, finding ways to sleep was the most important thing because I was really losing sleep, mm-hmm. but just reminding myself of you know that i'm safe in this moment, mm-hmm. you know really reflecting on this moment, coming into this moment, and yeah. then You know, this gesture of of placing your hands over your heart and pressing just a little bit Mm -hmm. is very Mm -hmm. comforting. Mm -hmm. It's very comforting. It allows me to locate where I am, right? I'm right here. Here's where I am. Yeah. And so uh, day by day, finding myself having more ease with finding my breath.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's nice to do that with a hot water bottle. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or I sometimes heat up stones
0: mm-hmm. and
1: rest stones on my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think, oh, the weight, you know, that might feel claustrophobic. It often for me has the opposite effect. It, it helps me settle. And I think part of it is it's a, a natural substance and it helps me ground, uh, the st- you know, the quality of the stone itself. I've also been, you know, I grew up asthmatic, and I grew up severely asthmatic, mm-hmm. and it was not well managed for a great part of my childhood, so I really know what it's like to struggle for breath. I really know the panic that goes with that. hmm And I can access all of that quite easily. So one of the things I've been doing is trying to be proactive with conditioning my lungs. Um, So another thing I've been doing, um, I often do it lying down, but it can also be seated, is bringing my hands to the upper lobes of my lungs, like around, you know, my my uh, clavicles, my collarbones. And I inhale, feeling the expansion under my hands. And I hold my breath for a little while, just sort of suspending it. And then as I exhale, I shape a ha, H-A-H. And I slowly, And I do that a few times with my hands at the upper lobes of my lungs. And then I bring my hands to the middle lobes of my lungs. And on the left, you don't have a middle lobe. You have your heart. And then I move my hands down to the lower lobes. And I just inhale. I suspend the breath for a little bit. And then I do that H-A-H, that ha. Mm-hmm. Ah. And then I take my arms out to the side and I do it. And this is very important, right? We're all spending a lot of time at the keyboard. So opening the arms out and, you know, just that gesture of opening your arms to the side, I find it a beautiful gesture. It's revealing your heart and lungs. It's not always easy to do that. You know, I know it sounds so simple, but... If you're feeling constricted or frightened, there's a tendency to want to keep your arms in, close tight to your body. Mm-hmm. And but if if you can, the beauty of opening the arms out to the side, and then the hands aren't at the different areas, but taking it again. Now the lungs are going to feel different feel differently with The arms out to the side and then I will take my arms overhead and do the same practice breathing into the upper lobes the middle lobes and the lower lobes so I'm really I mean you know I just love our basic biology I think it's so beautiful the the lobes of the lungs are covered with connective tissue and connective tissue is elastic It's pliable. And when I take my arms overhead, I'm not just releasing my shoulder muscles. I'm also expanding my lung tissue, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm allowing it to be in a different position. Um, And so this is one of the ways I am conditioning my lungs. Um, in that's, a sort of proactive way.
0: That's fantastic because not only are you, are you opening the tissue and allowing more room in your lungs for the breath to take place, but these gestures that you're describing are also of extending our energy or extending ourselves out, out to yes. the side and up and gathering gathering from the from the sky, gathering from the from the elements all around us, right? In this reciprocal yeah, yeah. relationship that also is feeding us all the time. Again, back yeah. to the natural world and how we are connected to the natural world. And this these gestures as I'm doing them, as you're describing them, you know, mm-hmm. give me this feeling of being connected to something larger than just the outline of my own body
1: yes and that is our true existence that is the true experience of life we do not live in isolation we may be living in a more isolated way but never are we isolated We are always, through every breath, in exchange with the environment around us. We are taking in nutrients through every breath, and then we are expelling what we don't need, which is nutrients for the rest of, you know, for the green life on the planet. Um, So we are always in this beautiful relationship. So even though maybe we are not traveling as far physically, and maybe we are living in more contained space. We are not actually isolated ever. And reminding ourselves of that reality right now, I think is very important, that we are always in relational exchange with nature around us.
0: And the awareness of that and the experience of that is beautiful
1: absolutely and that beauty as dante said awakens the soul to act and it's a nutrient it's a nutrient because it's a sensory experience of pleasure
0: ah the <laughs> so wonderful Um, Can you please tell our listeners how they can find you, how they can work with you, how they can learn more about Watermark Arts?
1: Oh, yes. Well, Watermark Arts, you know, is an act of love and an act of beauty. Um, All of our artists are people who are somatically inspired artists, and you are one of them. (laughs) And Watermark Arts. Uh, is an endeavor devoted to bringing together somatic arts and creative expression really, truly in the hopes of creating a more humane world that is really in a world where we recognize the interconnection of all life forms. so we're at watermarkarts.org we're also on Vimeo and I can be contacted at through info at watermark-arts.org and I can also be contacted through elainecolandrea.com and that's my personal site but my major way of moving in the world is through Watermark Arts right now.
0: Yes, and I really encourage everyone to um, to go online and, and um, look at all the artists that are represented there, and really um, immerse in the in the quality of expression that is reflected in uh, in Watermark Arts.
1: Thank you. There's video there's painting there's poetry there's prose there's visual art photography sculpture and there are many interviews with uh, the artists themselves so there's uh, it's I hope a great resource for people at any time and particularly at this time
0: Elaine Calandrea, thank you so much for this conversation.
1: Thank you for this opportunity. It's always a pleasure uh, and an experience of beauty for me to connect with you, Sharon.
0: Oh, thank you so much. This has been Passing for Normal, Conversations About Change. If you like our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. It helps our audience to grow. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to sharonweilauthor.com. You can also find out more about the changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.